The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome, everybody. You're watching Squawk Box, and these are your headlines this Wednesday morning. Sterling weakens as the IMF criticizes the UK government's budget plans, warning they will work against the Bank of England's rate hikes. The BOE's Hugh Pill, meanwhile, says a robust monetary response is still necessary to combat inflation. I think it's hard not to draw the conclusion that all this will require a significant monetary policy response. Global markets are on edge as the S&P 500 sinks deeper into bear market territory and Asian stocks fall to their lowest level in two and a half years. Elsewhere, the Fed's Neil Kashkari says the central bank will continue to hike rates at an appropriately aggressive pace. But his colleague James Bullard warns recession remains a risk. However, ARK Invest Kathy Wood, who's pretty long the market, tells CNBC she can see price pressures easing. We think the inflation rate is going to be surprisingly low. We would not be surprised to see deflation month to month sequentially for a number of months uh, during the next six months. And European authorities launching investigations into three leaks in the Nord Stream pipelines. Not just one, but two. Uh, in fact, three leaks in two pipelines uh, in the Baltic Sea, with Poland's Prime Minister claiming an act of sabotage, whilst Denmark's Meta Frederiksen uh, says that can't be ruled out. It is an extraordinary situation. It is an unusual situation, and there are three leaks even with some distance between. And therefore, it is difficult to imagine that it would be a coincidence. Yeah, very just, good morning. I'm just checking. Go on. Has my watch stopped? Is, it, is, there, is there a stopped clock in the house? Right, go on. Well, the only reason I say about oh. stopped clocks, because yes. people are reiterating their time-honoured stands on certain positioning and central bank policy. Good morning, by the way. Good morning. And all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you are a stopped clock, apparently you are right twice in, in a 24-hour period. Okay. Fair enough. Well, no, I just kind of heard... I've read my headline yes. before, obviously, I came on air. I'm reading, of course, a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't hear, ladies and gentlemen, but the, the yeah. producers are laughing at me furiously. Right. Uh, and the director. Anyone else? Sound desk? Yeah, they even laugh as well. Um, just because ARK invests, Kathy Wood tells CNBC she can see price pressures easing. Well, we, yes. yes, and I appreciate that. But hasn't, isn't she in the arch deflation camp now? Yes. This is person who's very, very long growth stocks, which are falling very aggressively. Aggressively yeah. because of central bank action on uh, monetary policy being uh, more aggressive than she'd hoped when she put on her growth positions. Right. So it's just another timely reminder to me that actually everyone who comes on has got a position. Yeah. Well, it's, it's shadow theatre, isn't it? Let's let's walk through the headline sequence then, if you want to do that. Yeah, so let's do in, it. in my headline sequence, what did I? I, I talked about the IMF. Yes. Criticising the UK's fiscal plans. Oh, it's like Back to the Future. It really is like Back to the Future. Olivier Blanchard. Absolutely. Boom. Do you remember I the do? whole Brexit, the, the whole Brexit fearmongering that we had? It's it's all going to be awful. And uh, but, but anyway, um, who else? Hugh Pill. 
people. You peel? We're, we're going to have to maybe raise rates. He's to got his position in the theatre. Exactly. So, I'm sorry, what are we telling our audience here? Turn off because you're getting a rerun of the same programme you've heard no, for the last no. 10 years. No, we've got something different. Can we, can we, we've got a new special chart for them. Have you got it, Mike? Look at this. Oh, Adam, I didn't, we didn't tell the right. director. So we told okay. the producer and they okay. put the, a chart together for us, for you and I, because we did a little bit of thinking we, before the show, we? do a we? bit of reading first and then we'll come back to the well, chart. Well, it depends. How long are you going to be? You got it? Oh, they got it. Look at this. Okay. Now, this is a chart which um, I kind of wanted to show you because if you look at it, it's the dollar versus the euro. I can barely see it with my eyesight. It's the dollar versus the pound and it is the dollar versus the Swedish krona. And what we kind of wanted to show you uh, and it's actually due to my mate Bob, actually, who pointed this out to me yesterday. He said, you don't see this one on the BBC. So you can see it on CBC. So look at the, the, the dollar. And the only problem with this one is that you've got the kroner, I think. And I'll look around this way, if you don't mind. It's got dollar kroner. So the, the, the line at the top is the dollar kroner. You can see the dollar gaining versus the kroner. Right. The two at the bottom are the euro dollar uh, going down, the euro going down, and the pound going down. Yes. And what, what do you notice from that, ladies and gentlemen? What is the stark thing, despite all this criticism of, the B, uh, of, of, of Britain and the UK at the moment? Again, I'm not trying to play the little Englander here. What, in fact, I'll go, to the, I'll go to the wall. Can I go to the wall quickly? Because I, I can see it better over there. Is that all right, Adam? No, because I can do this better. Look, I know we're ripping up the rundown. But look, this is the dollar's ascendancy versus... Th thanks, Adam. I, this is just live telly. It's brilliant. This is the dollar's ascendancy versus the Swedish krona, yeah? This is the dollar against the pound. The pound's moving aggressively lower. This is the euro moving against the pound, moving lower, yeah? But what can you tell from this chart, ladies and gentlemen? This is the point, despite all the criticism of the UK, the massive criticism of the UK from the international community, the winks, the nods, and the outright criticism, yeah? What can you tell from it? Well, look, maybe this will help you. Pounds down around about 20%, uh, 21%. Euro down around about 20%. The krona down 43%. Do you get what we're saying? It's in line or better than its international peers versus the greenback. So whilst we're spending a lot of time talking about the pound decline being about the British and the bad policy coming out of government, apparently, and I'll put that in inverted commas because I'm going to listen to our experts on this, actually what is happening is the dollar aggressive move upside is affecting all currencies either in a similar way or much worse. Thanks, Adam. Jeff. Uh, so let's talk about some of the other uh, stories then. Right? Well, you know, we've been saying it over the last three days. I mean, this is no great Yeah, but we're trying to say something different to the viewers that they're not getting elsewhere. It shouldn't be to our audience because we've been saying if you compare the pound to the krona or to the Korean won or to yes. a whole host of yes. other currencies, it is within a pack that are all down very sharply, 20-odd percent or so, around 20-odd around percent or so against the dollar. If you actually have a look at um, all currencies, you'll find there's probably only about three in the world that are not negative what, against Swiss, the dollar at this point. Presumably um, Swiss or something, yeah, there, aren't they? Absolutely. Maybe even the Swiss are on there as well. But it's a, it's a very small club that hasn't seen its currency decline against the greenback. So if anything, what we're trying to say to our viewers, and, and I, I appreciate, Adam, we didn't tell you what we were going to do there, because I didn't know until I did it, but thank you. Uh, um, it's a different kind of telly. Uh, 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 is that the, just take a step back, despite all the criticism of what's going on in the UK, and I get it, I understand why... There is a lot of criticism about what the UK government has done at this time. I, I, I think it was crass timing for a start when people are really struggling to do what they've done at this time. 
But, but having said that, and it was a bit tone deaf as well to what's going on in the market as well, the pound still hasn't yet performed any worse than its major peers. And that's the point we're trying to say to you this morning. So what's the IMF done anyway? Uh, well, it's more criticism, isn't it? Let's oh, face it. Right, look, okay. look, I mean, pe people are very quick to forget the history. What have we, what have we just had here? We've had uh, a COVID crisis in which Western governments have effectively just increased the level of national debt to step in and support the community and try and save jobs. We've now got an energy crisis in which what's happened, governments have stepped in to try and prevent the worst of those high energy prices hitting people's livelihoods and hitting businesses. So we've got governments stepping in left, right and centre. If anybody thinks that rising interest rates in an environment where you are expanding government debt isn't going to lead to consequences, volatility and distortions in financial markets, then they're living on cloud cuckoo land. What astonishes me is the degree to which there's astonishment. Because why should people be expressing such surprise that if you drain liquidity from the global markets, if you remove the ability of governments to refinance their debt at lower rates, even as they're all being forced to dip into their pockets to bail out citizens who've got too much debt as well, and people express surprise about the fact that it's getting more expensive to service those debt, I'm surprised that they're surprised, that I'm surprised that people are surprised that we're seeing sell-offs in certain parts of the markets as institutions are liquidating to keep themselves above water. That was Rumsfeldian. Was it? <laughs> yeah, was it? I'm it really not sure was it was. Rumsfeldian, if that is the word as well. But, but no, should I, we go through the puppetry? I'll just say one more thing, because you just reminded me. I, you, I, the, the answer is, let's be honest about it, not everyone's been objective about this. Some people have got a, a bone to pick about Brexit still. Yeah. They didn't like it. And again, it, I, I'm not saying anything about the and me and Brexit. It's nothing. Mm. To, it's, it's not the point. Is yeah. that there are international organisations who didn't want Brexit to happen and have still got a bone to pick on that one. Uh, well, I find that terribly hard to believe. Surely no, everybody's moved on by now, no, haven't they? It was don't. a long time ago that you and I sat on the banks of the Thames talking about Brexit. Well, when we were actually on the night of the vote. It was yeah. June 2016 when that jogger had a go at us for yeah. putting our tent in his way. Do you remember yeah. that? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's, let's walk through this because you need to hear this. The International Monetary Fund has criticised the UK's plans for tax cuts and called on the Trust government to, quote, re-evaluate the situation. The group warned... The £45 billion package announced by Finance Minister Kwasi Kwarteng last week could further fuel already elevated inflation. The IMF said it is engaged with UK authorities and that it is important that fiscal policy, quote, does not work at cross-purposes to monetary policy. Meanwhile, the Bank of England's chief economist, Hugh Pill, echoed the IMF's concerns, adding that the central bank will likely need to respond with a significant policy move. I do want to flag clearly at this point that in my view, the combination of fiscal announcement we've seen will act as a stimulus to demand in the economy. That has had significant market consequences as well as significant implications for the macro outlook, including, but not exclusively, those coming by asset markets. On the back of all that, and in a context where there is a rebalancing of the macro policy environment, 
and an anticipation of looser fiscal policy, I think it's hard not to draw the conclusion that all this will require a significant monetary policy response. Hugh Pill there. Well, Moody's has also criticised the UK government's plans in its first appraisal since the mini-budget announcement. The Global Ratings Agency said large, unfunded tax cuts would lead to rising borrowing costs and lower growth because of a more aggressive monetary policy response. The group, however, didn't change the country's credit rating. Oh, it's time to get another view. Viraj Patel, are you there, sir? Global Macro Strategies at Vanda Research. Nice to see you, sir. Good morning. Are UK assets more unattractive or less attractive or more attractive <laughs> this morning because of policy action? Look, on the margin, they're obviously not as attractive as they were maybe four days ago. Um, but look, I share a lot of sympathy with your views here. I, you know, the pound six days ago was not an issue for me. I looked at it. I was looking at a range of other currencies as being more dislocated in markets right now. Um, and so, you know, I think that what we are seeing, though, is uh, a real sort of, I guess, vote of confidence on the package that we've seen and just a, a lack of understanding really on how the UK gets to some sort of sustainable path or sustainable growth path where you don't have a world of short-term interest rates being really high. So look, the last couple of days have been really challenging. Um, but that not being said, you know, there are two sides to every story. I think some of these doomsday fears are being some, somewhat overblown to some extent. But I don't think anyone wants to step in here right now and buy undervalued UK assets. At this point, we could have a different conversation in three months because the pound is extremely cheap. Uh, but, you know, I think it's just one of those things where you're, it's the storm before the calm, to say the least. So, you know, I think in this really short-term environment, um, it, when we ran through the options of what the Bank of England can do on Monday morning, uh, it, we, we struggle. We struggle. There's no easy way out of this. The markets, have, they've almost been thrown to the market walls as, as sort of, um, you know, left to just uh, figure this out and get their way out of this. And unfortunately, the markets have said, well, we need to see interest rate hikes and pretty quickly. Um, Viraj, let's just as, as a programming note, the producers have told me that more unattractive and less attractive are exactly the same thing. So thank you very much indeed for the English lesson from the team. Uh, in, in terms of when to dip the toe, do we think there's going to be an emergency rate decision before November? Um, the bank at the moment trying to hold the line, Hugh Pill sounding aggressive, but not talking about any emergency rate hike as well. What's your feeling there, Viraj? Yeah, I was slightly disappointed in the last couple of days that the Bank of England didn't do anything on those guilt sales. We have a guilt sale coming up on next Monday. Um, I don't think this is an environment where guilt yields are sending off 50 basis points a day to be adding to fuel to that fire. They did say that they would stop it if there were disorderly markets. And I think this is disorderly markets. So you, there's no two ways about it. This is a huge dislocation. You know, you've got rumours of not just uh, investors selling, but foreign investors, you've got liquidations in real money investors here. And this is a really tricky environment in the bar shop. So, you know, that would be the first step here to, to provide a bit of calm. But unfortunately, I don't think the market just sits on, on the fact that the Bank of England will raise two, two, uh, interest rates by 2% in six weeks' time and nothing changes. The, you know, if this is a market that's moving every day. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something intermeeting. You know, why, why, why wait till November? It makes no sense. What about the, uh, the, the Chancellor, uh, Viraj, at this point? I mean, he's been holding a slew of meetings with um, people from the financial industry. I think he's going to meet with... Uh, U.S. fund managers today, that's my understanding uh, from the reports. Um, is there a chance here that he may just reverse some of this tax cutting? 
Yeah, look, there's some parts of the uh, the energy uh, sort of elements of what we saw last week were welcomed because what it does for inflation expectations, it almost changes the game. And so I think the surprising bit was definitely doing too much at, at the wrong time uh, and some of the stuff around the income taxes. But, you know, I think maybe some sort of calming of fears that they can push out some of the expected tax cuts coming through even next year when we talk about the budget 23 and just telling telling sort of investors and longer term investors we're talking really real money investors here that you know we have a plan and just wait and see before sort of doing anything that might that might help stem the tide a bit but unfortunately it's not really a game where real money investors are driving to some extent they're driving the market but when you get speculators trying to challenge the central bank you know, test the central bank's pain threshold and the government's pain threshold. Here, you're in a game of where it's just really difficult to fight that. So, you know, that's why you're seeing huge short momentum behind the pound, not not the least because I think every investor knows that there's really no easy way out of this. So, it's a really tricky one. This is stuff that you see in, to some extent, other markets, and it's a shame that it's happening in the UK to some extent. But you know, I think in the very short term, some action needs to be done. Some some. I guess you turning on something needs to be done, or if not, the Bank of England really bears the brunt here. So, Viraj, what, what's the opportunity? I mean, I guess a lot depends on, on what your time frame is here, but uh, a bit of volatility back into asset prices is often good news for those looking for mispricing or markets moving too far in one direction over a very short period of time. Where do you think there's any opportunity to make a turn? Yeah, that's the number one question we ask us, where are these pain thresholds, where, where does it get painful, where central banks and the government, in particular in the UK, have to start intervening. Unfortunately for guilt yields, I don't think that that's uh, this side of 5% for five handle. Um, so that's a shame because I think, you know, we're going to, you know, like I said, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. With the pound, look, I'm not, a, I'm not here pushing for parity. I, you know, I think we'll probably, if we ever get down there, get uh, pretty strong support as we saw with the euro dollar when it when that hit parity so you know i do think value buyers will look be looking to step in here um but i i fear that we might in the very near term in the lack of action lack of a credible plan retest the lows um but you know we're in an environment where every sell-off in uk assets we're looking for opportunities to to to, to buy but the next couple of weeks are going to be super critical because if i hear good things if we hear good things from the from both the Bank of England, a bit of sensible policy, a bit of sort of uh, credible fiscal plan in the medium term, then I think all of that sort of uh, coalesces as a good buy signal. But we're just not there yet. Viraj, uh, just just briefly here. I mean, so much of what we're seeing at the moment is down to the Fed, and we had Charles Evans in the studio yesterday, and we um, we were asking him about you know is the Fed going to break something again? And of course, he just repeated the lines and the. Uh, the mantra that we've had so many times that they think that the Fed can walk the line between uh, recession and growth uh, and he thinks they'll get away with it this time. But but every time we've had a Fed tightening cycle like this, we haven't seen one that's been this rapid for a very long time. Uh, something has gone wrong. What do you think goes wrong this time? It will be the rest of the world. Um, look, the US economy could probably withstand the Fed's tightening cycle to some extent if it lived on a on an island by itself. But to some extent, we know that financial markets are highly interconnected and global. And some of the stuff that we're seeing here in the UK um, is having spillover effects and even in the treasury markets. Um, some really unusual moves with cash selling in treasuries and basis spreads widening out to, to levels that we haven't really seen for a very long time. So I think that this is uh, the, the challenge for the Fed. And, and, and an easy way to put it is the dollar. 
right? The dollar is really reflecting, I guess, the concerns in the rest of the world, the unprecedented move that we've seen in the three past three to six months. Part of it is uh, US exceptionalism, the Fed hiking cycle, but also rest of the world weakness. And I think, you know, the, the number one question we're getting asked is at what point does the Fed take note of the dollar? I, honestly, I don't think we're, t- I think we're 10% away from it being even a consideration on the Fed and Treasury's mind. I think they understand the rest of the world's pain. But right now, the dollar is acting as one of the key, key ingredients to tightening financial conditions, helping to bring down domestic inflation. Um, and I think at that in that environment, it really is every country for itself right now. Things could change quite quickly in two, three months. But like I said, 10% away. Absolute pleasure speaking to you today, sir. Thank you very much indeed uh, for your calming comments for the market. Viraj Patel, global macro strategist at Vanda Research. I'll go through these quickly. I've already been up at the wall once already today. It was exhausting. Uh, the Dow was down 0.41. Well off the lows though of this session. It was an interesting session. Nasdaq managed to close in positive territory. You know the kind of levels on these major indices. I, I went through them ad infinitum yesterday. I will tell you that the Dow transports and the Russell 2K, another couple of the big measures, are down a mean average of the two, 33% from their highs. Pretty enormous moves already. Okay, let's have a look at treasuries, which we were talking about with Viraj there as well. So we've got a 10-year, which is off the peak. Well, no, actually, it's around about the peak, actually, I beg your pardon. 3.98 on the 10-year, the two-year, 4.29 as well. So inverted curve continues to be the order of the day with the two-year really picking up on that yield front, uh, given everything that we've been speaking to with the likes of Charles Evans yesterday. We're very privileged, Jeff and I, we know that, to get to speak to these kind of people who are dictating the policy, which is dictating the dollar, which is dictating a lot of the world financial conditions. Uh, dollar crosses. Well, we, we've spent a bit of time on this one. <laughs> we, we might go back to that chart, a lovely chart that Mike and the team put together. Thank you. Uh, 106.57. So we are back on the back foot, as Jeff Headline said, on sterling. But again, I'll make the point one more time. Euro versus the dollar and sterling versus the dollar over the last five years are in lockstep to the downside. OK, so for all the criticism that's going on with the British at the moment as well, the euro and the pound are in lockstep versus the greenback over a medium term period. Uh, the yen, well, are we getting close to the territory where the BOJ is going to go back into the market and buy the yen as well? We dipped down to what, 140, 141 with that intervention the other day. We're now back up to 144.60. And the dollar yuan as well with the, the yuan equally under a large amount of pressure. 7.223, that pair there. Asian indices under pressure again today. Shenzhen down 1.85%. Nikkei losing a couple of percent. ASX 200 down eight tenths of 1%. Well, I understand the producers and director have lost a little bit of control of the rundown, Jeff. So we'll try and get it back on track. All right, let's, um, let's get back to some of these Federal Reserve comments then. We continue to get Officials signalling rates will go higher, even as growth weakens. The Minneapolis Fed President, Neil Kashkari, warning, quote, there's still a lot of tightening in the pipeline to get inflation back to its target rate, but cautioned against hiking too fast too soon, particularly in an increasingly volatile market environment. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Fed's James Bullard said the FOMC will stay in restrictive territory for some time, adding the US central bank's credibility is on the line when it comes to fighting inflation. Still to come, investors get ready for what could be one of Europe's largest ever listings. We will talk about the Porsche IPO and whether it will happen in this market environment.
Yeah, and for more on the latest trials and tribulations facing the British pound and gilt market, subscribe to the Squawk Box podcast. I'm told today's is, is, is interesting. It's a bit different, this one. Anyway, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts all over the planet. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Volkswagen is set to spin off Porsche tomorrow in what could be one of Europe's largest ever IPOs. Um, Here's what to look out for. The listing marks a new chapter in the saga between the luxury car maker, the families who founded it, and Volkswagen, which they tried and failed to take over in 2009. VW will make 12.5% of the company's shares available to investors at a price as high as €82.50 each, which would value the firm at more than €75 billion. But the listing structure has raised some questions since the shares available to buy won't come with voting rights, while just over 25% of voting shares will be sold to Porsche's holding company, which is currently controlled by the Piek and Porsche families. This means they will have the power to veto key strategic decisions. There's also the fact that the company's CEO, uh, Oliver Bloom, will be dividing his time between Porsche and VW, where he has taken over from Herbert Diess. By contrast, Ferrari, which has long sat in Porsche's rearview mirror, is run independently of Fiat, its own former parent. While the differences don't end there, Porsche's unit sales came in 30 times larger than its Italian peer in 2021, which still posted a 25% profit margin last year, which was more than Porsche's own mid-term target. Also a tough time, of course, for IPOs. HSBC says recessionary conditions will hurt demand for sports cars and Europe has seen a 90% fall in deal value so far this year, according to deal logic. So there was a lot in that, but we will unpack it when we discuss the IPO later on in the program with Philippe who managing director at Jefferies, who focuses on that segment of the market. That interview coming up at 8.30 Central European time. So much to say. Um, hopefully the producers will get the timings back on track and then we can have a chat. I think they lost it in the first uh, 10 minutes. They didn't realise no. I'm joking, did they? Did they realise <laughs> I'm joking? It was my fault. OK, again. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.